0: In Daniel chapter three, I'm gonna start verse 16. I'm gonna read a few verses this morning. I'll read a little bit of this story and uh, I wanna talk to you from this title. I have a title today. (laughs) It's it's good. you know, title Sundays are are always good Sundays. The other ones are good too, but the title today is called Backfire, Backfire. Uh, Verse 16 says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said to the king, The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took them up. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out, come here. I love how they just chilled in there until he asked them to come out. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? (sighs) Because when God is with you in the fire, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire and the satraps, the the prefects, the governors, and the royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Who sent his angel and rescued his servants. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. We ask over these next moments that we have together that you will speak clearly to us. We pray that every plan that the enemy has for us would backfire. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. 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 You know, What's clear throughout the scripture is that for God's people, fiery situations are very normal. On Wednesday, we talked about how our faith is a fight. The fight is normal. We have to normalize the fight. It's actually abnormal to not be going through some sort of difficulty, some sort of difficult circumstance in your life. That's usually an indicator that you're not really serving the Lord. <laughs> so if you're in the room today, you are probably going through something that's either directly connected to you or something in your immediate family or someone you love or someone you're praying for and with. The fire, the trial that feels like fire is normal. As a matter of fact, 1 Peter four twelve through 13 says, Dear friends, Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. So that you may be overjoyed when the fourth man walks into the fire. Here's the thing you have to understand about God, that when God hasn't delivered you from something, that means it's his intention to walk in it with you. And so if you're in something today and you're praying God deliver me from this and he hasn't, I would ask you maybe look around to see, you might still be in it, but you are not in it alone. Is there anybody today in the room thankful that I might be in it, but I am never in it by myself. There is always another in the fire with me. So he says, don't be surprised. Because I think sometimes our situation can seem more extraordinary when we're surprised by it. When it seems unique to us, it can almost hurt us more. But I think we have to understand that The trial is normal. You're going through something that is normal. The Bible throughout scripture talks about fire in a couple of different ways. The the one way we see in this story, the fire is a trial. But the Bible also talks about another fire that's represented by the presence of God. In Exodus, the Bible talked about a pillar of fire, that that during the day, the people of God were guided by a cloud, but at night, the sky would be set ablaze with the fire of the presence of God so that they could see in the dark. So there are normal, fiery trials, but there is also the supernatural, fiery presence of the Almighty God. Zechariah 2 and 5, the Bible says, I will be to her, talking about Israel. God says, I will be to her a wall of fire all around, declares the Lord, and I will be the glory in her midst. I was doing a little research on fire and uh, one of the things that that pops up is how often uh, fires happen, especially in drier places, and you'll see very often through the summer, like in California, there will be all kinds of fires. My wife and I were just recently, a few weeks ago, we were in Southern California, and there was a a fire that took place just a few miles from where we were. And they had these helicopters going back and forth, and they were landing on this golf course, and they were pulling water out of this little uh, river like waterbed in this on this golf course, and then they would fly and they would dump the water over the golf course. but when I was when I was talking to someone about the fire, he was saying that sometimes the most effective tool is not water; sometimes the most effective tool against fire is actually fire. Have you ever heard someone say you fight fire with fire and what that means is they do what they call a controlled burn it's called backfire what happens is they'll 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 track the progression of the fire and they'll determine okay the fire is headed east so they go out in front of the fire and they set another fire so that when the fire gets there there's nothing else left to burn If you just look up backfire in the dictionary and and you see it as a noun, it means this is a fire set intentionally to arrest the progress of an approaching fire by creating a burned area in its path, thus depriving the fuel of the fire. (laughs) So they set a fire where the fire is going so that when the fire gets there, there's nothing left to consume. And and it makes me think of this story. Part of me, I look at this story, and there's always been a part of me that says, God just must have made them fire resistant. But I don't think that's really what happened. I think they actually went in with a stronger fire than the fire they were about to enter. And if you go in with a... See, the only way you don't get consumed is if your fire burns hotter... Than the fire you're getting ready to enter. (laughs) Does anybody know where I'm headed this morning? Because the people that threw them in died. Just from the heat. But they went in the fire and they were not consumed. Because they had a fire on the inside of them. That was greater than the trial that they were getting ready to face. Is there anybody thankful today? That the fire of the presence of God is hotter than the fiery trial that's in my life right now. I need somebody in the room that said, I'm gonna fight fire with fire. (laughs) Matthew 3 and 11, John the Baptist said about Jesus, he said, I baptized him with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to carry. He said, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire <laughs> so when the the enemy comes for your mind when he shows up and he comes to consume your mind your mind has already been consumed so there's nothing left for him to burn when he comes for your peace by taking your stuff, you already gave your stuff to God so there's nothing left for him to burn. It reminds me of Matthew 6 where Jesus is teaching. And he says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven because it's, it's safe there. That's, you, you, the fire can't get there. The rust can't get there. The worms can't get there. He says, because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And I found out that in my life, sometimes things in my life are on fire because I'm not. And for many of us, maybe quarantine exposed this. Maybe maybe us being in our homes all by ourselves exposed the fact that, that maybe, maybe the church was on fire, but we weren't. Because you can get around fire and think you're on fire. Because you feel hot. So you can come to church and feel hot. But then you go home and you don't feel the same thing you felt at church. See, the fire of God was never meant to be a thing that you visit. The fire of God was meant to be a thing that you carry with you. Jesus said, When He, the Holy Spirit, comes, the one who baptizes you in the Holy Spirit and in fire, when He comes, He will be in you. So the fire was never intended to just be at church when the music gets gone and the preacher gets to hollering. The fire was intended to leave with you. Go with you to work. Be with you in your relationships. Be with you as you parent. Be with you as you are in your marriage. And I'm just wondering today if there's a lot of people maybe who realize that being all by yourself made you realize that I wasn't on fire. Church was. I wasn't on fire. My neighbor was. And they made me feel really warm. And this is cultural, isn't it? Because we live in a culture that's obsessed with looking good, not being good. <laughs> we live in a culture that 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 that's obsessed with. One of my friends said it like this. He said he said you're you're uh, you're optically pleasing, but you are functionally uh, fragile. <laughs> optically pleasing, but functionally. Fragile. Um, um, you have all those muscles, but but what are they good for? If 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 you just look at them, you have all of those muscles, and you look nice with your shirt off, and you take nice pictures on Instagram. But if we asked you to run thirty feet, do you have any endurance? <laughs> see 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 this this walk requires something that you can't see. For instance, for instance, like 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 when we go to the gym, we like to work the muscles that are going to make us look optically pleasing. But we don't like to work on the things that are actually going to help us internally, the stuff that nobody can see. We don't like that treadmill Because that treadmill doesn't do anything for my muscles. The treadmill only affects my heart. And God isn't interested in you having muscles on the outside if you have no endurance on the inside. The Bible doesn't say, he that has muscles till the end will be saved. No, the Bible says that he that endures to the end... (laughs) this is why you need more than songs about God it's why you need more than messages about God you need God no wonder we live in a world full of Christians who can't forgive live in a world full of followers of Jesus who are emotionally fragile no wonder we've been so afraid for the past two years did we confuse enthusiasm With fire? Did we confuse church attendance with fire? Did we confuse a chill on our arm with fire? That's what the Bible calls zeal without knowledge. You can run around for God and not even know God. You can listen to sermons about God and not have God. You can sing songs about God and not have the fire. So we have to deal with that part of us that only wants to deal with the symptoms and not the real problems that we have. See, this is why the enemy messes with your stuff. The goal is to destroy your foundation, but he doesn't go after your foundation. He goes after your things. Because whatever you value more than God, he will attempt to steal it, kill it, and destroy it. And if he can shake your faith by messing with your stuff, he'll do it. The devil doesn't want your car. He doesn't drive. (laughs) But if messing with your car. Will make you doubt God's love. He will mess with your car. All day long. So I have to deal with that. Part of me. That doesn't. Really want to serve God when things aren't going my way. That part of me that doesn't want to be made whole, it just wants relief. (laughs) I was talking to someone once about some things that I was dealing with in my back, and uh, I said, "Man, I've I've got ever since I started going back to the gym, I just got this issue." In my back, and they asked me. They're like, do you ever work on your core? I was like, core? What's a core? That's not a muscle in your body. Dude. What's a core? He said, bro, why are you so dumb, Rob? So he goes, your abdomen area. I was like, abs? I, you have to specifically do things about those? He's like, yeah. He goes, I was like, but bro, That hurts. (laughs) But most of us, watch this, most of us would rather take a leave for the rest of our lives. Than actually strengthen our core. I don't know what I don't know what faith you came into. But the faith I came into, Jesus said, if anybody wants to follow me, you must take up a cross, deny yourself. And follow me my faith involves carrying a cross and in order for me to carry a cross I must have a strong core and in the same way the core of your body is important to your physical strength your spirit man is important to your spiritual strength you have to have a strong spirit to carry the cross come on that God wants you to carry. The Bible talks about it this way. New Testament says, you have an appearance of godliness, but you deny the power thereof. (laughs) 1 Peter 5 and 8. Let me read this to you. It says, be alert of sober mind, Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And that's an intimidating scripture until you realize there's another lion. (laughs) Revelation 5 and 5 says, do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. Uh, And First Corinthians, I'm sorry, First Chronicles 16 and 9 says that the eyes of the Lord are searching the earth. He's searching the earth. What? He's searching the earth to strengthen those who are committed to him. John 4:23, Jesus is having a conversation with a woman at the well, and he says, Hey, there's a time coming. When true worshipers will worship me in spirit and in truth. And it says, these are the types of worshipers that God is looking for. So there is another lion that's looking and searching and roaming the earth. And so I don't have to be afraid of the lion that comes roaring when the lion of the tribe of Judah, come on, has already triumphed. There's a fire in me that's greater than the fire that's trying to come on me and I wish somebody would take about three seconds and just give God some praise that there is another lion there's another lion (laughs) so what's the devil supposed to consume if I've already been consumed see this is why we give this is why we, the, the word the Bible uses is the word tithe. This is why we give a tenth of our, of our increase to God. Because what this does is, is it, when I give God 10%, he sets the other 90% on fire. See, I, I, and, and when the enemy, see, whatever I give to God, he sets it on fire. And I've, that means, so when the enemy comes to take it, it's already been consumed. So when he comes to take my peace, God already has it. When he, when he comes to take my joy, it's already in God. You can't take it if it's in God. You can't take my salvation because it's in God. It's not in my works. It's in God. If, you could, if it was about my works, you could take it. But you can't take it because my salvation rests secure in the hands of God. And anything that I put in the hands of God, he puts a wall of fire around it so that when the fire comes, the Old Testament put it this way. It's not that you won't experience fire. It's just that when it comes, it won't consume you. It's not that you won't experience flooding. It's just that when it comes, it won't drown you. And like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they came out of the fire, and their hair wasn't burned, and their clothes weren't burned. And the only thing they went in the fire with, that they didn't come out of the fire with, were the the things that had them bound. And I'm telling you this morning, that the fire of God comes to burn up the things that have you bound. Is there anybody bound this morning? You don't, need a, you don't need 12 steps, you need the fire of God. If you're bound this morning, you don't need a good friend, you need the fire of God. You don't need a good message, you need the fire, you don't need a good song, you need the fire of God. I Fight fire with fire. What do I need to fight fire with fire? You need fire. How do I get fire? Jesus said that I have to go so that the comforter can come. I have to go so that the fire can come. How do I get the fire? Jesus told his disciples, he said, fire's coming. I need you to get back to Jerusalem. Now, they could have stayed on the mountain and built a monument to the place God left, but they didn't. I don't get the fire where God was. there are two types of people in this room today. There are people who were on fire and there are people who have never been. Sometimes, let me talk to the people who were because if you're not careful You'll build a monument to where God was and you won't go back to the city where God is going. And you'll think that in order to have the fire, it has to be like it was when you were. Can I, can I ask you, even if you're even if Calvary Church is not your uh, home church and you're just visiting today. Can I ask you Can I ask you to 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 stop trying to light a fire in your current church by telling your current church what your other church used to do? Well, at my other church. Well, if it was so great, why are you here? (laughs) God takes you into new things to do a new thing. And stop putting the expectation from where God was on where God is. So you'll miss it. Hebrews 12, 28 through 29 says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Everyone in this room must make a decision That God is more valuable than any other thing in this life. That's what what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did facing their trial. They said, listen, King, we, we have made a decision. God can deliver us. But even if it doesn't go the way we want it to go, we're still not going to bow. We have decided that God is worthy of it all. Even if all means my physical life. How do I get the fire? worship. <laughs> in John chapter 12 there's a there's a story there. Jesus is at at the home of uh, Mary, Martha and Lazarus. And in the middle of them hanging out, the Bible says that Mary grabs this expensive jar of perfume and she busts it open and she pours it on the feet of Jesus. The Bible says there that she anointed him. And then the Bible says that she washed his feet with her hair. And I think that part of washing his feet or with her hair gets overlooked sometimes because I don't think we understand the context of hair. The the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, it tells us Paul's writing, he says that the glory of a woman is her hair. So Mary decides what well, we find out because Judas is in this story as well and he's, he's all distraught because she spent what, what estimated to, what was estimated to be almost a year's worth of income on Jesus. He's all upset and he's like, we should have taken that and given it to the poor. And he didn't say, let's give it to the poor, the Bible says, because he was worried about the poor. He said, let's give it to the poor because he was a thief. He wanted it for himself. What she said belonged to God, he wanted for himself. She said, Jesus, you are worth an entire year of income. And whatever glory belongs to me, I give it to you. This is what worship is. Worship isn't coming in and joining with everybody and singing songs. Worship is not, it's, it's never been about the motions. Worship has always been about the heart. Worship is not an event. Worship is really a state of being. It's a lifestyle. It's a heart that declares, God, you are worthy of it all. You are My resources and my glory my money and any fame that comes my way i'll redirect it to you any honor that comes my way i'll give it back to you anything that you put into my hand whether it's money or 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 men's compliments or the praise of people i'll I'll give it back to you. And God says, that's the worshiper that he's looking for. The lion of the tribe of Judah is looking for a worshiper. You, you want the fire in your life, worship God. He said, in the Old Testament, he said, they worship me with their mouths, but their hearts are far away from me. So I, I, I'm not trying to convince you to dance. I'm not trying to convince you to shout. I'm not trying to convince you to lift your hands because none of that matters if you don't think he's worthy of it. And the fire falls where he is worshiped. The fire is looking for a group of people who would say, God, all of our resources are yours, and all of the glory belongs to you. It doesn't belong to the worship team. It doesn't belong to the guy with the mic in his hand. It belongs to Jesus. And if God can find a church full of some people who are willing to give of their resources and give the praise that's due to him, The fire will fall. (laughs) But you cannot be on fire for God if you value things more than God. If you're, remember, they said, He can deliver us, but even if He doesn't, This is important because if your worship is connected to God doing what you want him to do, then trials will consume you. But if you're a true worshiper, you don't just praise him in the trial. You praise him before it. You praise him in it. And you worship him after it's over. As a matter of fact, if you're a true worshiper, you get comfortable with fire. So comfortable that you're just having church in the middle of the fire and the king has to shout out to you, hey, guys, maybe you should come out. Now, they're like, no, you you don't understand this. We're not even worried about your fire anymore. We're experiencing the fire of the fourth man. And I, 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 that's, why, that's why I love the house of God because when we come to the house of God together and we worship, we, we come and even though our life has a fiery trial connected to it, we come into this fire. And this fire begins to overwhelm those fires. Come on, if you ever come into church one way and you leave church a completely different way, that was the fire of God. And God's intention for that fire is not that it stays here. But that it leaves this place and it goes with you, yeah. everywhere you go. One last little story, and I'll let you go. Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter twenty. The Bible tells us about Jeremiah's life. Jer- Jeremiah was was a prophet that man. He had to declare so many negative prophetic words. It was it was sad. He he hated it. <laughs> He, he, was, he even would talk to God and be like, why why'd you do this to me? Why would you make me the negative prophet? Why, why do I always have to share these words? But he couldn't stop saying what God was saying to him. So this one occasion in Jeremiah 20, they throw him into prison and they beat him and they tie him up. And they think that if they beat him and they tie him up, that he'll think twice about giving negative words because one of the words was that the people of God are actually going to be taken into bondage and and many of the people that were alive in that moment were going to die in exile and they were going to be judged for their sins and their rejection of God and he didn't like that so they locked him up they beat him for a little while and then they let him out and when they let him out they're thinking okay He's probably going to change his tone a little bit. (laughs) No, he doesn't. He immediately starts to prophesy again. You're all going to die. You're all going into bondage. And he said, when he got done saying it, he said, I didn't want to say it. He said, but I had to because his word, it's like a fire shut up in my bones even if I try to put it out. I can't put it out. It's become so a part of who I am that even when I don't want to say what he tells me to say, I say what he tells me to say because he's consumed me. He's consumed my tongue. No wonder James chapter 3, James says that the tongue is a fire. It's evil. It'll set your life on fire if you let it. So no wonder in the book of Acts when the when the Holy Spirit pours out in fire on the believers, no wonder you see a tongue of fire. No, <laughs> no wonder the first thing the Holy Ghost does when he baptizes you is get a hold of your tongue. And, 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 and Jeremiah said, I'd love to say something else, but the Spirit of God has control of my tongue, and I can only say what the Lord wants me to say. And so when the enemy comes into my mind and he tells me to say something different, he can't change what I say because my tongue's already been consumed by the fire of God. There's nothing left to burn. And I wonder if anybody would stand on your feet today and say, God, help me. Set a backfire today so that when the enemy comes to destroy my life, I've already been consumed by the fire of God. By the fire. I need fire to fight fire. Fire. Robbie, how do I get it? Worship. 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 Worthy of it all. (laughs) Worthy of it all. Why? Like the song we sang earlier, from you all are all things, to you are all things. You deserve the glory. And what worship does, like Matthew 6 says, worship helps you store treasure in heaven so that when the enemy comes in to steal, he can't access. And for some of you, you don't have peace this morning because you put your peace in the wrong place. You didn't store it. In heaven, you put your peace in your job. And when your job starts to shake, your peace is shaken. You didn't put your peace in heaven, you put your peace in your marriage and when your marriage starts to shake, your peace is shaken. You didn't put your confidence in heaven, you put your confidence in people and when people start to shake your confidence is shaken you didn't put your confidence in God in his word so when the world looks like it's on fire and bombs are being dropped and things are happening and our internet went down yesterday and the thought was did Russia do this <laughs> and then the thought what are we going to do without the internet Right, right? Because when you put so much into something and then it's taken, you start to think, what would I do if I lost? This is a very difficult thing to say, but I want to say this to you. There is no, nothing and no one that you should put so much confidence in, hope in, peace in, that if you lose it or them, You lose your confidence, your hope, and your peace. There should be no one in this life that has the power, when they die, to make you want to die. No one. If they died, I don't know how I would live anymore. Oh, you put too much into them. Oh, You can love them and you can care for them, but they don't deserve that type of worship. You cannot allow your kids to replace God. You cannot allow your spouse to replace God. You cannot allow your friends to replace, you cannot allow your money to replace God. You need to set your life up. You need to set a backfire that says that there's nothing the enemy that can take from me that God has not already consumed. When Samuel was born, his mom said, first thing I'm gonna do with him is I'm gonna give him back to you. Because whatever you don't, whatever whatever you receive that you don't give back to God, that will be a source of pride in your life. That will be a source of misplaced trust. You have a baby, oh my God, they're incredible, they're amazing, but if you put all of your hope in them, Any parents who have raised people till they've grown and leave your house? Stop putting your hope into somebody who when they get old enough and they find somebody better looking than you, they're gonna leave you. (laughs) Mama, you'll always be my first love, but I don't wanna live with you anymore, Mom. (laughs) See, no one deserves the worship that belongs to God. Come on, Father, we thank you today. We thank you today for your challenging words. Every head bowed, every eye closed, if you would, in this room, if you're here today and you say, Robbie, I need to make a decision today to give my life to Jesus. Maybe you're in the room and you're doing this for the first time, or maybe you're in this room and you feel like you've been disconnected or away from God and you want to come back home today if that's you you're one of those two people I'm going to count the three when I do I just want you to throw your hand up in the air and we're going to pray with you today and believe that in this moment God is going to supernaturally begin to make changes in your life old is going to pass away new things are gonna begin in your life today. If that's you, you say, Rob, I need to give my life to Jesus. Or I'm coming back to God today. Throw your hand up in the air real high. Throw it up real high, I see you. See you, anybody else? See that one, see you over there, I see you, sir. Awesome, I see you, man. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, amen. Let's all pray this prayer together with those that lifted their hands. Let's say this, dear Jesus, thank you that you love me. I love you. I give you my life, take all of it, have your way, use me for your glory, I repent of my sins, I confess you as Lord, I'm excited to start something new, in Jesus name, amen and amen.